happy Mother's Day. Uh, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers in this room, biological mothers and adoptive mothers, single mothers, married mothers, expecting mothers, weary mothers, which I think probably includes all of you, uh, and a happy Mother's Day to all the spiritual mothers in this room. As we grow closer together as a church family, I pray that it becomes clearer and clearer the significant role that spiritual mothers play here in this body. Whether you have children of your own or not, if you are a God-fearing, Jesus-following, Bible-believing woman who is committed to being with us here at Oaks and worshiping with us here, serving with us here, community grouping with us here, please do not underestimate the, the role, the, the influence you have Throughout every service, every class, every cafe, every community group, our Oaks kids are watching for and listening to and processing through what is true about God and about the world. And you have the opportunity, spiritual mothers, I would add this, you have the responsibility to help shape the children of this church, not just by telling them the path to life, but by showing them, by leading them to the place Jesus leads us in our passage this morning. This morning we'll be considering Matthew chapter 7 verses 13 and 14, but in this entire concluding segment, Matthew chapter 7 verses 13 through 27, this is a climactic conclusion to Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. It's a very unified segment as Jesus uses a number of metaphors, two gates, two pathways, two trees, two builders. He uses these metaphors to entreat his disciples and us to respond to all that he has said thus far in the Sermon on the Mount. Thus far in this sermon, he has made clear He is the long-awaited Messiah come to redeem and to rescue and to restore, come to reveal the kingdom of heaven on earth. Thus far in the sermon, he has made clear that as citizens of heaven, those who follow him are not like the scribes and Pharisees whose religion is pompous and shallow. He has made clear, rather, that citizens of heaven are poor in spirit, Uh, They are hungry and thirsty for the things of God. They are meek and merciful and peaceable and pure in heart. Jesus has made clear that citizens of heaven, that we are like salt and light in the midst of a dark and decaying world. And because of this, because we as citizens of heaven are not like this world, we will not be liked by the world. We will see this a little bit today in our passage. We will be hated and persecuted in one way or another. Jesus has made all these things clear so far in the sermon. And in doing so, he has led his disciples and us up to this climactic conclusion of the sermon. Where stands a fork in the road. There are two gates and two subsequent pathways. So now in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13, 14, Jesus entreats us to follow after him through the narrow gate. 
And before I read, join me in, in a quick prayer. Father, by your Holy Spirit, please help us to read and reflect on and respond to your holy word and help us to do so rightly for your glory and for our good godly life we pray in Jesus name amen Matthew 7 verses 13 and 14 short passage enter by the narrow gate for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Let me read that again. Church, enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. This is the word of the Lord. Jumping right in, we're going to consider for the remainder of our time three ideas from this passage. Number one, the path of Christ is not easy. Number two, the path of Christ is not popular. Number three, the path of Christ will not disappoint. I'll repeat those as we go. Number one, the path of Christ is not easy. The wide gate here in this metaphor is clearly wide enough that droves of travelers can pass through it all at once. The wide path is smooth. It's level, it's paved, it's easy to travel. The narrow gate, on the other hand, is tight like the neck of a bottle. And the narrow path is rugged and toilsome. And this is the path to which we have been called as followers of Christ. And without mincing any words here, Jesus tells us it won't be easy. It's not easy. It reminds me of uh, <clears throat> the 17 Mission Impossible movies that are out there. <clears throat> At the very beginning of each movie, Special Agent Ethan Hunt is always told up front, so here's your mission, and here are all the reasons you're probably going to die, and it's not going to be easy, and actually the mission, if you choose to accept it, is impossible. <laughs> so right here, right up front... The fork is in the road and Jesus is warning his disciples and us that a life of following him is not easy. It's not easy. And we really need to come to terms with this. Church, we need to come to terms with the fact that what Jesus calls us to is, is not easy. Notice that the first word Jesus uses to characterize the path of the Christian life is narrow. That is not a flattering word in today's culture. Go to virtually any city in America, any state college, any publicly traded company, go to any open-minded church, and there are 
a litany of them today, even here in Worcester, go to them and tell them that your biblical convictions on gender and sexuality and marriage and abortion are narrow. And then brace yourself. Even when we uphold God's truth humbly and peaceably and patiently, and we should do all of those things, but even when we do so, the wide gate world around us hates it. Take gender, for example, and this passage is not about gender, so this will be brief. It's true that we humans have been deeply wounded by sin. And there are a host of reasons why an individual might feel incomplete or uncomfortable in their body. And yet, since the dawn of time, there have been and are and always will be two genders, male and female. And God, not we, God, determines our gender before we are born. No matter how much the wide path world hates this, the narrow path of Christ beckons us to hold fast that when we are born, the chances that our body and our gender do not match, the chances are 0%. It's not as though God has an intern who has botched quality control, right? We are each, now listen, this is where the compassion of the path of Christ needs to advocate and and cry out to the world around us. Each of us has been purposefully and precisely made by the wise and wonderful creator God. The wide gate world hates this. I wish it weren't so, but in the wide gate world, everything goes Everyone is their own God and everyone's truth is equally true. And so compared with the wide gate world around us, the gate and the path and the life of God's people is narrow on all fronts. Gender and pronouns and sexual or sexuality and and marriage and abortion, the list goes on. Have you noticed, church, too, how each of those issues has been dragged into the political arena. When an issue is brought into the political arena, it's made to feel like it's up for debate. But these issues aren't up for debate. And the fact that America has the audacity to even take a vote on whether or not we will follow God's black and white commands on these issues, it really makes America not all that different from Sodom and Gomorrah and Babel and Adam and Eve, who the first humans among themselves, they took a vote and sided with the serpent before breaking God's commands. The path of Christ is not easy for a litany of reasons, but primary among those reasons is this. The path of Christ requires me to rise above my own fallen tendencies and you. It requires each of us to take up our own crosses and to die to the sinful desires that lurk inside of our hearts. The path to which Jesus calls us is not easy. Point number one, also, the path of Christ is not popular. Point number two. 
in Jesus' metaphor here, the wide path is clearly appealing, right? It is spacious and smooth and unobstructed. D.A. Carson writes, the wide path accommodates large crowds and all their baggage, right? And those who enter by it, those who travel down it are many, verse 13. The wide path is all the rage. It's popular. However, the path of Christ is not popular. End of verse 14. Those who find it and travel down it are few. And I think that that is an understatement. Few indeed. If the movies of our time and shows and commercials, if the magazines and headlines and billboards and the songs and podcasts and political addresses are anywhere near an accurate litmus test of where our society is at, then hardly anyone is on the path of Christ. And to make matters more difficult, the wide path world is on a war path to widen their already wide path. If you are here today and you are on the narrow path of Christ, imperfectly of course, but if you are striving by the grace of God, empowered by the Spirit of God to walk the narrow path of Christ in this life, if you have been cut to the heart by the message of Christ, and if you submit to God's word, as the final arbiter of truth, you are in the company of very few. See, no one left to him or herself thinks, you know what? In this life, I'm gonna look for and I'm gonna enter through and I'm gonna walk down the, the narrow, difficult path of life. I'm going to question my desires and my feelings. And when my desires and when my feelings run contrary to God's word, I'm going to trust God's wisdom above my own and I'm going to crucify my desires and my feelings. No one in and of themselves thinks that way. No one in and of themselves thinks that way. Not even those of us who now find ourselves on the narrow path began that way. The Apostle Paul explains in Ephesians 2 that you and I too, we too, were once dead in the sins which we once walked. We too were following the path of this, this disobedient world, following the prince of the power of the air, living in the passions of our flesh, and carrying out the desires of our bodies and minds. Here's grace for you. Left to yourself and left to myself, you and I would still be on the wide path. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great and mysterious love with which he loved us, even while we were still sinners, he made us alive to and with the risen Christ. The popularity of the wide path 
is part of what makes the narrow path so difficult. I'm a people pleaser. I fear man and I want everyone to like me. Uh, that's a pretty bad recipe for someone who is called to the narrow path. And if you can relate with that, uh, pray for me. <laughs> but here, it is not our job to convince those around us that we're right. It's not our job to do that. It is our job to hold fast to what God has revealed. It is our job to hold fast to God, to his word. This is why the path of Christ in a wide path world is not easy, point one. It's also why the path of Christ is not popular, point two. Verse 14, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard. Church, that much is true and it would behoove us to come to terms with it. To know right now, out of the gate, wherever it is you are on the path of Christ, to know right out of the gate, this is hard. This is hard. It's not going to be easy. It's not supposed to be easy. But let us be consoled and invigorated by what Jesus says next. If you blink, you'll miss it. Don't miss it. So don't blink. Here we go. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard. But, but notice, church, notice the destination the result, the reward. Life. Life. Life to the full. Life until forever and ever. Life with the resurrected King. Point number three, the path of Christ will not disappoint as much as you and I should anticipate the hardships that will come our way on account of following Christ, we get to anticipate the unfathomably marvelous, unendingly joyous, and insurmountably glorious life that is to come. We do not walk the narrow path in vain. The path of Christ will not disappoint. You can take that to the bank. Maybe you are newer to faith in Christ and obedience to God's word. Maybe you have yet to face opposition in your neighborhood or backlash in your workplace or insults at school on account of being so narrow. It's coming. That much is clear. But the wide path of the world does not lead where they think it's going to lead. And as for thus, uh, those of us on the narrow path, any opposition we face on account of Christ in this life, any animosity, any affliction compared to the life of eternity and glory that King Jesus has promised to us, compared to that, our afflictions right now are the blink of an eye. They are so fleeting and momentary. Hold fast to that. Hold fast to this. The path of Christ will not disappoint Maybe you are not new to faith and obedience. Maybe you have faced some opposition. If that is you, brothers and sisters, 
I hope that you are strangely encouraged by it. The enemy does not oppose those who pose no threat. The enemy of this world, the prince of the power of the air, will not oppose you if you pose no threat to the world and to his mission. The fact that you have experienced in various degrees opposition on account of Christ, that means that you are shining the light of Christ into a dark space. Hallelujah. Hold fast. The path of Christ will not disappoint. Last week, a pastor whom I follow posted on social media something that, that convicted me. He said this, whatever particular sins our culture is most committed to today, whatever particular sins our culture most loves, whatever particular sins our culture is least likely to repent of, those are the sins upon which we must courageously and compassionately shine the light of Christ. I'm so quick to be quiet about the major things of the world today because I am afraid. For my own reputation, for my family, for what people will think. But when I read scripture, Old and New Testaments, don't the prophets and apostles speak boldly and directly against the sins of the culture while urging God's people to hold fast to the word. Ought I not do that? Ought we not do that to and for and with one another? The entirety of scripture tells us about God redeeming a people for his namesake through his son and then empowering them by his spirit to live counterculturally as citizens of heaven living on earth. Walking on and advocating for the narrow path of Christ in 21st century America might seem like a mission impossible. But as God's people, church, we are indwelled by God the Spirit. And greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. And Paul's reason, what, 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 do we have to, what do we have to fear? What are they going to do? Kill your body, Chris? Yeah, they might. And Paul's logic is re big whoop. Because then it's, it's in the presence of Christ and the unraveling, consummated kingdom forevermore. Give us boldness, Lord, to speak with compassion and hope and love against and shine a light on the sins of our culture. This morning, uh, it's the second Sunday of this month and we are going to take of the Lord's Supper together. As we take, as we take together as the saints of God, as real as the bread 
And as real as the cup is in our mouths, remember this is a sensory meal that we share together. As real as these elements are, so real is the body and blood of Jesus that was poured out in order to save, to save people who were on the wide path, hell-bent toward destruction. As real as the bread and the cup is, so real is the resurrected life that awaits those on the path of Christ. It is not easy, but it will be. And it even is now currently wonderfully good. As we take, as men and women of faith in Christ, believe the promise of God that life awaits those traveling on the path of Christ, the narrow path beyond, beyond the narrow gate. All the promises of God find their yes in Christ. And can we not look to God in his word? He is the fulfiller of all of his promises. He promised all the way back in Genesis 3 that an offspring would come and defeat the serpent. Yes and amen to Jesus doing so. He promised that a sacrificial lamb would come to bring atonement of sin and to bring God's people near to him fully and forever. Yes and amen to Jesus being our sacrificial lamb. He has promised, God has promised that his son would be the resurrected first fruits of what is to come, of the harvest that is to come. Jesus, sure enough, several weeks ago we celebrated, came out of the tomb. The tomb is vacant. The world still can't actually explain what has happened. The word tells us what has happened. He is alive. And so as we, as men and women, discerning ourselves and coming forward humbly and, and repentantly to this table, may we take of these elements, the bread and the cup, in repentance. Because if you're like me, all too often I try to straddle pathways. I try to have one foot in the wide so that I'm not irrelevant to everybody and so that I'm liked by people while having another foot over here in the narrow. It doesn't work that way. Forgive me, Lord. So may we take together in repentance. May we take together this morning in a spirit of encouragement. Any opposition that you and I face, well, it unites us together and it unites us to Christ who faced all the opposition of the world. We get to be like him. Let us also take the spirit of entrusting God to give us steadfastness as we take of the bread and of the cup as real as those elements are in your mouth enjoying the sensory meal of the saints. So real is the bodily return of Jesus at any moment going to take place. And so real will we be resurrected, flesh and bone. The Lord's Supper here at Oaks, we, we try to, every, every gospel-believing church that I know tries to practice this with respect and prudence and, 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 and diligence. Here at Oaks, we, we, we hope that if you are a man or a woman cut to the heart by the gospel, able to discern and self-examine your, uh, yourself as, as, you, as you come forward, able to, in a spirit and a posture of humility, repent for all the ways in which you flirt with the wide path in this life. If you are able to do those things, would you please 
feel welcome to come and take this meal with us as a church family. This meal is for also spiritual fathers in the room and spiritual mothers. As our children watch us, we show them, we show them our faith and more so just than in communion, but, but truly starting here, we show them that our, our faith is a real faith. This isn't some sort of uh, uh, fake, uh, what's the word that I'm looking for here? Somebody help me with the word that I'm looking for here. This isn't some sort of just process that we, we go, I, I don't know. I, I don't know where my mind is, so I'll just leave it at that. Here's the thing. If you, though, are here and not walking the path of Christ, please, please don't take of, of the communion elements. Please don't take. Instead, uh, one of the pastors and, or myself would love to uh, lead you in the direction of taking the first step on to the path of Christ this morning. But don't take communion just yet. Uh, I'm going to pray, thank God for his word, thank God for these elements that are going to uh, declare the death of Christ and of course his resurrection and then we're also going to sing a little bit as well. So as I pray, if you are one of the communion servers, would you please come forward? And then when I'm done praying, uh, church, uh, you are welcome to come and participate when you are ready. Let's pray. Father, Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that although we too we're once travelers on the wide path, disobedient, given to our passions and desires of flesh and mind, body. Thank you that even while we were still sinners, you sent your son to come and to live, to die and to rise so that we might be reconciled to you so that we might be restored to the good godly life now and to come the life that you and life as you have designed it for us. We thank you that we are yours by simple and profound faith. We trust that your son, God the son, is the risen Lord. And we ask in doing so, God, that you would hold us fast to the narrow path that is so hard to walk. The voices of our culture are so loud and can be often like a siren song, convincing. But Lord, would you protect our hearts and minds? Would you hold us fast, fast to the path of Christ, the narrow path? And Lord, would you give to us a picture of what is coming, that we would see and savor the life that awaits. The wide path of the world does not end where the world anticipates it will end. But Lord, the path of Christ to glory eternity, to life with the resurrected King, that's where it ends. Lord, as we participate in remembering the body and blood of Jesus poured out for sinners. Give us a spirit of humility and repentance. May we approach the table to take of these elements in a spirit, Lord, confessing to you that too often we look like the wide path of the world. Too often 
I skirt by and I skirt through a day and a week and a month without much opposition. And the question, am I shining the light as brightly as I ought to? Forgive me and forgive us. Lord, I pray that you would lead us in a spirit of encouragement that any opposition we are facing on account of Christ, that's a really, really good thing because the enemy doesn't mess with those who are posing no threat. Give us that resolve. I pray, Lord, that you would give us a spirit of steadfastness, that if we are weary and weak, feeling feeble, tired of the opposition of the world, strengthen us and help us to know the company that we have. We are together, the sainthood. We are together in this. No one in this room in Christ is alone especially because we stand next to and with Christ himself. Let that encourage our souls today. And let our spiritual fathers, and especially on this day, our spiritual mothers, take of these elements in a, in a, in a faith, Lord, that, is per, that permeates all of life. Let our young Oaks kids see that what we say we believe, we actually do believe. Be glorified in this time. Be glorified, Christ Jesus. In your name we pray, amen.